What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Woo-hoo-wee. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Back again with another awesome episode of Offside. And we're sitting down today with none other than former NHLer Rob Shrimp. Get ready for this one. We talk about his junior playing days, the days in the NHL, getting conditioned, getting ready, his favorite moments, couple fun stories thrown in, and of course his life after hockey and the businesses he works with. Get ready for this one. It's going to be an awesome listen. Kick back, relax, and enjoy another up op- another episode of Offside Hockey Talk. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so as I said off the hop, joining us today on the show is Rob Shremp, obviously former NHLer and hockey player with all the slick moves you used to see back in the day before they were actually cool. He pulled them off before anybody else. Love to have him on the show. Rob, how's it going today, buddy? Things are going good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Not a worries at all. So how's everything going for you with COVID so far? Everybody staying safe and healthy? Yeah, we've actually been in Latvia, uh, Riga, Latvia now, so it's a little bit different here. Uh, a lot less people, and kind of, I feel like they took it a little more, like, to the restrictions in the beginning, so it's kind of phased out here. It's a much different scenario than back home. Well, no, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, so we actually are in the same boat, zero cases, zero active cases, so everything's opening up, and it's almost like normal a little bit around here, so... It's good to feel that way, but also I guess you still got to be cautious and make sure you make the right moves. Yeah, you know, it's obviously it's still there. So um, some places are really struggling with it and other places it's going away. So just, just kind of being using common sense and saying, we have a daughter, so keeping that in mind too, making sure we're not doing anything in too crowded areas or that sort of thing. So just kind of playing it safe. Well, it's the smart way to do it. You look at everything right now that's going on with the way the cases are going up, and it's in areas where they're not kind of being responsible and maybe opening up a little bit too quickly and not taking everything for common sense you know, into mind. Uh, but if you look at the places like here in Nova Scotia where you are that took it seriously, nipped it early, and just locked everything down and waited until everything was gone before they started opening up, you know, you're, you're a little bit more in the clear. You still have to be cognizant that everything's still there, but... Yeah, you're right. If you if you use common sense and apply it right, you should be okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, I gotta ask you. Obviously, common sense prevailing. I mean, what are your thoughts about the NHL trying to come back during the middle of all of this, especially where there are places that they're thinking of going to play that are jumping up in cases? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert, so I don't pretend to be. Um, <laughs> as a guy that loves hockey, I'm excited to see hockey. Yeah, for sure. But at what cost? That's what I worry about, making sure it's, you know, guys have families and stuff like that, so it's thinking of that as well. Uh, selfishly, do I want to watch hockey? Yes, but do I, I don't want anybody to get sick or really sick over that. 
roll the dice. So it's it's uh, it's just going to be a matter of you know hopefully they, they're taking they are they're taking the right precautions and making sure they're safe in the sense of with medical staff and uh, um, you know cleanliness and making sure they keep it that way. So that, I guess that's right. That's all I can say. Is <laughs> that we all know really. Hopefully they're doing the right right steps to make sure the players aren't risking making a high really high risk. We start talking about you know it doesn't mean you just have the family, but. Um, you especially feel for people with families. They got kids and stuff like that, so it's really risky. But um, not an expert, so I don't have any great answers for you. No, no, no. Um, it's good to get an honest answer. And I mean, I would ask this question of you because you're not too far removed from the game. And I mean, I would ask for you if you were in the position right now, being approached by the NHLPA to say, "Hey, come back and play." This is what we have in place. What would be a question that's on your mind that you would need answered? to feel safe and secure or would it be just whatever guidelines they set out if the doctors say it's okay you're good yeah no it would be like no I have, a, I have a wife and kids so that would be it when I was younger to be honest with you I, I'm like let's play let's play let's play I just love hockey right a lot of guys do just want to play miss it want to get back on the ice so that that drive and, and the passion that got them to the level that they're at is what makes it special so and sometimes we forget that we're human as well um, stepping away from being an athlete we're still human, but you forget that when you're in the moment, right? Like, even when, you know, I think about when I played, playing through concussions and stuff like that, you just, you, you just want to play so bad. Like, no matter what is in the way, you'll, you'll get through that hurdle because um, you want you want it that bad. So it's a blessing and something it could be a curse at the same time, you know, <laughs> the gladiator mentality and um, just, yeah, that's how I, I, I probably want to play, to be honest with you. I'm not going to say I wouldn't, but. Now I'm removed from the game, and I can kind of—I would—I don't have that pressure on me to, to make that decision. So I can only imagine what what's going through. Some guys probably really eager to get back. Some guys, like I said, worry about family and stuff like that. So it's a—it's a tricky. It's a tr- there's no right answer. It's a slippery slope. No, and the thing that I like to see too, and I'm seeing some of it through the NBA right now, and obviously maybe when baseball gets a little closer, and same with the NHL, there are guys that are opting out of playing. And just saying, you know, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to be around it. You know, I'd rather my health be the priority and wait till um, the next season comes around. And I don't see an issue with that, with guys opting out either. So, you know, like you just said about family, that's one thing you got to take in consideration. And, you know, if you don't feel safe or you don't think it's going to be the right move, I mean, opting out, even though it may hurt your team in the short term, you know, in the long term for yourself, it might be better. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, but again, there's a human human element to it. It's only fair. It's- that's how you feel. I think it shouldn't be. It's okay. You know, it's humanizing the athlete sometimes is okay. Definitely. <laughs> like this is not a normal one. And, um, you know, I think I got a taste of that. Like kind of when I changed from North America to Europe, even when you're, from my experience, when I was, you're sick in Europe, you, you get, you stay away for like a week. Even if it's the cold. Where I found in like North America, it's more like grind. You've got to get through it, grind it out. It's like, you're still, you know, at some point you're still a human. Like you got to take care of your body. Um, and now that we're in a pandemic scenario, something that's really freakish, it is more important than ever to humanize the athlete, let them make their own decision on this stuff, and not the ridiculing of them or being harsh on them. That's, that's their decision, and it's, not, it's a tough one to be in because this isn't something that happens all the time. So if they want to, t- if they want to hear on the, what they feel is the right side, I think that should be okay. That's how I feel about it. I mean, again, not an expert. No, no, I'm no. Not the, <laughs> the one that sets set the standard, but. In my opinion, I think it's just important to let the athletes in this moment uh, be a little more humanized, making decisions on that side of it and what's what they believe in and what's going to make them feel. Because there is, there is still going to be a tomorrow, right? 
Yep. It's going to be next year and the year after. So it's, this decision isn't final and they can never play ever again, whatever sport. So it's okay if they pick this one. Let's say, let's say they're wrong. Let's say they, everybody goes back to play nobody gets sick. That's okay still that they made that decision not to play. So it doesn't make, make it any worse, right? It's, you got to do what the decision at the time feels right. Yeah, well, it's one that, like you just said, you can never plan for. It's not something that is in a contract that's a contingent thing. Hey, if we have a pandemic that's global, you know, maybe I might get to opt out. You know, I'm going to sign on that line to make sure that it happens. You know, this is a case-by-case scenario, and everybody has to have the ability to take that human element and put it into the game and put it on each player and allow them to make decisions. And right now, I haven't heard anybody in the NHL say that. I think they're more focused on the fact of bringing their families and having them be a part of these hub cities and making sure it's a small kind of community just for the NHL players and their families. I heard about, you know, buying restaurants and different things like that just to keep it a bubble for them to be in. So, I mean, it looks like the NHL is trying to make sure they do everything to keep not just the athletes but their families close and healthy and safe at the same time, which is a good thing to see. Yeah, I mean, that's because that's as tough as it is, the way it goes, man. If you think about stripping someone that has a new child in their family, they're going to be away from them for two months, three months. That's really tough mentally <laughs> on the human aspect of it. You know, you don't get to see your kid for um, a little while. So I think that's, that's great. They're going to try to try to normalize it as much as possible. Like, this isn't something that happens every year. So it's, it's really tough to, to make the exact perfect ones. No. Well, I got to ask the other question about uh, the NHL and hockey before we jump into your career. Um, basically, the NHL, there's been a little bit of rumblings thinking that it might be a good idea to run the actual season on a regular basis from January till August, where there's no basketball or football or anything in the summer when the playoffs would be potentially going on for the NHL, much like it is this year. Um, as a guy who's played in the NHL, and, you know, there's a lot of guys who love their summer and love to be able to go back home to where they're from during the summertime. I'm wondering, is that something that would be palpable for anyone? And just maybe answer for yourself, is, is that something that would ever light your radar to go from January to August? It would be unique for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I just put myself in that scenario. I think it's... I don't know. I think about it from a, from a business side you're not battling with other sports. Is that what you're saying? Like, no other sports are playing. It would be, it'd probably be a, a good business move. Yeah, you'd be, be only up against, uh, yeah, you'd be only up against you know, baseball talking, every night. That's basically it. Yeah. You're talking TV rights and that kind of stuff. Those are the competition. TV is what's important for money and business side of it. So that would be something smart. Um, and I think it would be, I think it'd be cool. To be honest with you, playing in the summertime, I think you do get the itch once, after about two, three weeks off after the season, you always want to get back after it and change for change the season so having a season where you played in the summertime could be really fun well you know, be, yeah you know a show in town and you can go to a matinee go to like in Philly we did it one time there was a playoff and watch the baseball game and watch the hockey game in the afternoon it was, it was such a great sport day as a fan of sports it was really cool so I think that's I think it would be cool my opinion I, I think it but that's again <laughs> I'm not setting <laughs> any trends or any standards <laughs> nobody really cares but I, I, I would be a fan of it Hey, listen, I love playing hockey. I play hockey all, you know, since I was 12, all summer long. I'd skate even when I was playing pro. I'd only take a few weeks off and get back on the ice. Um, so having meaningful games in July and August would be pretty cool. Definitely something unique. Well, I look at it now, and I look at this summer, the way that it's going to shake out, obviously. Hopefully the playoffs start in August. 
what better feeling than the sun beating down you're out on your back deck or you know at the patio at the cottage by the lake and you got the the game on whatever device you're using and just chilling and watching it outside nice weather absolutely beautiful i mean there's so many ways you could sell it to people the only thing is i like i said i think it'd be hard on some of the players because i think a lot of them like to go home in the summertime you know when it's nice out everywhere and be able to go back to whatever home they have on a lake somewhere and kind of hide away for a little bit but like you said i mean you get that itch anyways and i see a lot of guys here in nova scotia whether it be you know crosby or marshand or mckinnon they're back on the local rinks around here not too long after being home so yeah i think it'd be pretty i, I like to have like you said to have a great hot summer day and then go watch an nhl high level hockey game in the summer would be pretty cool as a fan perspective oh, yeah. uh, you know from that end of it i think uh you know, and then also everybody, all the guys that are playing, will get a experience of what it's like playing Florida. Go <laughs> 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 to the rink after ninety degree day all day. You know, that's uh, everybody will get that experience. That that be unique. I don't know what what the plans are, but I, I think it'd be a good business model to be honest with you, recoup some maybe the losses because uh, that's where you know the money is in TV, and being one of the only shows in town would be great. Only having to battle with one sport. Yeah, opposed to the going against everybody throughout different points, and I mean that you just talked about the uh, the Florida weather that might lose its allure a little bit if uh, guys are getting to play in the warmer weather, anyways. But uh, you'll you'll see what happens, I guess, and that'll shake out when it does. But no, it was something I wanted to ask because obviously you're not too far removed from the game, so your opinion to me is still valid, and anybody who listens to this will think the same way. So I appreciate it. <laughs> not a worry. Well, I got to ask the question. I mean, we're we're already a little deep into this, but. What got you into hockey? What got you wanting to lace up the skates, and what kept you pushing and going through all the different levels? Like, what is your motivator for hockey? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed. I love the game, uh, the team camaraderie, even just you know, young kids, the locker room, having fun with each other, in the locker rooms, uh, riding together in to tournaments, and you know that kind of stuff. That camaraderie was hockey was. I thought it was the best of all the sports I played, um, and that's what got me. I think just that team camaraderie was really so much fun, winning tournaments together. Even when you lost together, you lost you know, as a team and went to the emotions as a team. It's just that camaraderie. Uh, really, at a young age, that's what kept me towards hockey. And then I loved it. I mean, I just love every bit of hockey. That, you know, practice, cold, early morning skates. It was, uh, it was a unique sport, different than the rest of them. So um, I always had a passion for it. And, you know, growing up, my cousins played. I really wanted to, me, my, my brother and I watched them play Chris Shrimp and Jeff and um, kind of wanted to emulate them. And then Syracuse Crunch came to our hometown. I think I was in about fifth or sixth grade. So we had a pro team come around and that kind of gave us people to look up to and like that, you know, it, that dream that we could play pro hockey someday. Um, that got us really, really going. So, you know, pro teams, pro sports and communities are, are really what gives youth dreams and achievable you know things to achieve or shoot for um yeah that's what got us kind of motivated i got you geared well i'm wondering obviously i talked to um you know terry ryan and he's a little bit uh, before your time obviously and he still plays competitive ball hockey but i asked him you know the questions about you know what do you do to get in shape and what is the difference from when you started to the end and i'll ask you the same question i mean when you started out in hockey obviously you know, a lot of guys still would say they'd come to camp to get in shape, and nowadays, you know, guys are fit as a fiddle before they even get there. Um, I'm wondering, throughout your career, 
what was the biggest thing you noticed that changed on the fitness aspect of things? Um, yeah, you know, it's just everybody, everybody was at a certain level. You know, the, the, there wasn't such a drop-off, so to speak. You know, you, when I first kind of was getting there in the pros, like there was a couple guys, you know, like, oh, God, you guys are mutants. And then it got towards the end of my career where everybody was almost the same. Really, to your point, everybody worked really hard in the off-season, and, and it never stops. It's, you know, drive all, all year long. Summer comes is even harder work. Um, and I think it's the resources that are out there. A lot of these trainers have, have stepped it up, and they've gone from, you know, just instead of being the, you know, training one-on-one, they've got more hockey-specific guy like Jeff Lavecchio, and you see these guys, they're training these hockey players, and they're, they have specific training for them, and they crush their, you know, fitness test and training camp, and it's not just about, tra- you know, training for fitness tests, it's about training for, you know, the duration of a season and the duration of 82 games is what the mindset is, right, because that's where we want to be in the NHL with that schedule, 82 games. Even if you're a college player, you're training your body to be able to sustain an 82-game season, so... It's just the mindset, the mentality of the training totally changed, and um, everybody seems to be raising the bar in that aspect. Nutrition, everybody's conscious of it. Um, you know, even when you get out on the golf course in the summer, everybody's got their shake, they got their, you know, meal plan ready for the golf course. So it's it's really so much preparation, so much thought. It just it never shuts off. Um, it, it is. It's it's not a bad thing. It's a good day. It's your job. So not a bad thing to constantly be doing what you want to be doing for your life and that's taking care of your body so that you can make it through the season and, and be your best be your best athlete now everybody's got that one person they work out with or train with whether it's on the team or just off season wise um, I, mean, I can remember Colin Briggs for me just a guy that would just kick your ass every single day and still have energy to burn afterwards I'm wondering do you have somebody a story like that for yourself that someone that was just that engine that kept going and you're like god i just want a minute just a minute and this guy says no no we're gonna go we're gonna go well to be honest with you it was a girl rebecca johnson uh we trained together she's in the team canada olympic woman uh player and she was unbelievable uh fitness and her work ethic was unreal and um watching her drive and her passion it was unbelievable she was top notch shape she's such a good runner um worked so hard and that was something it was inspiring to see and uh, showed me a lot too for me personally with the you know, the women's side of the game how, how much passion they have and how much drive they have and care and uh, so yeah Rebecca was really open she, we trained together in this place called uh, Empower in London, Ontario with uh, Kari Schneider and that was that was that was really like I keep saying eye opening <laughs> she kicked my ass every time in the run man. <laughs> I was like it drove me couldn't catch my wind she's just like a horse just running 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 well you talk about the women's game and that's something I want to ask you um, you know the NWHL is growing obviously women hockey is growing the um, microscope is on them now and they're getting bigger obviously Toronto got a team now with the NWHL and there's different things happening outside of that too what would you say for a fan that needs to watch and, and participate in helping grow the women's game? What would you say the one thing that needs to be done to grow that? I'm um, kind of addressing that, to be honest with you. you know, it's maybe a shameless plug, but I built a platform with that in mind because I, that's what I felt the solution was about growth at 
at youth level. Um, so I've taken four of the girls from the NWHL and plus six Olympic women's players, Olympic team players on here for coaching platform and, and re, uh, re-injecting that knowledge and information back into the youth game. So that's what I think, we, that's in my opinion, I think we need to grow the game at that level. And then when you get at a point where six, seven hundred really, really high-end, very good hockey players, women's hockey players, you have, a, you know, a sustainable league, then you can start talking about um, even having two leagues, like a filter league like the NHL, AHL, and NHL, but for women. Um, I think that's, in my opinion, that's how it would work fast if you start growing the game at that level organically and introducing, because there's a lot, you know, in my opinion, a lot of men do circle back in the game, whether well, it's coaching peewee squares, my, sometimes they get paid to do it, right? Yeah. Um, you need to help the women, also, they have to be able to make that choice and do that and make a living, right? Like, you can't do everything for... <laughs> for nothing. For charity, so to speak, for nothing. Like, they have, you know, bills just like we do. So it's, well, it was important for me to try to create jobs for them in that sense and also get recognized for what they know and how they work. And, and if you've seen that game... The All Star Game, they were unbelievable. Oh, insane! The showcases they put on. And watching the NWHL, they're growing, and the game is getting is getting very good. Um, it's just now about I think it's continuous growth. You know, the men's game took a long time to grow as well. It's, I mean, if you look at the game from the '80s to now, I think even the guys in the '80s say it's like the game's come so far, right? So it's that growth and the things, the resources that are out there, and the training's changed, the technology's changed, the equipment. Um, a lot of that stuff so I'm excited about the women's game I think it's, it's coming and it's on its way to get in there the game is really exciting well one thing that I really want to see is I want to see more networks get involved on showing the games and participating and helping growing that aspect because once you have eyeballs on it once you can tune in at a regular time for a game you can start to grow fan bases and you can get young gals interested I know my daughter was absolutely excited to watch the Markham Thunder play on Sportsnet, and unfortunately the uh, CWHL did fold. But you know she was able to see that on Sportsnet, and she was asking questions and getting excited. And she's only seven years old, and she was absolutely pumped for the Women's World Championship to come here to Halifax. Unfortunately, COVID happened and put that on ice. But you know you look at those things, and you look how excited they can get for those moments. And if you can continually give those those moments, just like you do with the NHL or the AHL or a lot of other different products for the for hockey that feature men and switch it and have it be for women, I think you can grow that exponentially. And I think you'd have that right there. I just think it needs the investment from a network to say this is what we're going to do and we're going to grow this and we're going to make it work. And it, I think that needs to happen. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think exposure and I think, um, you know, I've spoken on it. I think it's, it's somewhere where... How did, we need to highlight and make sure that people are appreciating how absolutely unreal these girls are at hockey and not comparing it to the men. And it's not, I don't think it's one of those things trying to compare them to the men. Um, they need to be in their own category in the sense of like appreciated and like <laughs> they're, they're really good at hockey. But my game, I just tweeted something about it. I just couldn't do the 45 second clip and the, the amount of talent and puck control and, and, the skilled plays these girls were making was, and it didn't matter if they were a girl or a boy what they did on the ice was sick yeah absolutely <laughs> like, amazing crap the backhand toe drag like there was like some really great hockey plays and then at the end of it all the goaltenders were on all the plays these goaltenders made six saves on them it's like it was like very entertaining and it was a 45 second clip it's like man like, this needs to be highlighted it does because it's the 
I, I don't know. I don't have the blueprint, but I, like I said, put my hat in the ring in the sense of creating lanes for these women to, you know, get back in the game, give back to the game, coach the younger girls, help them advance their growth. If we can find a way to advance growth at a faster pace, then, you know, that's a quicker, I think, you know, the numbers come up quicker. And I think that, in my opinion, again, I'm not an expert. I'm just trying to do what I think is right. I think that that's, that at least that's my answer to it. Uh, <laughs> don't have any, if I had $100 million, I didn't have <laughs> no, I mean, I, I try to do what I can with what I got. That's just it. I mean, and again, for myself, this is a small platform we have, but over the past few weeks, we've had a number of people on from the NWHL and just trying to shine a light on just players that were just drafted or, you know, the social media and just all those different avenues that are going on right now that they're trying to grow. And it's interesting to hear the stories. And you're right, they're just hockey players. They love the game and they want to be recognized for their skill. They don't want to be recognized they're just a woman. They want to recognize that it's just hockey, and they're out there at the high caliber just like everybody else. And that's one thing I really want to see focus in Season 6 of the NWHL, and I really hope it kicks off this fall and can get going the way that it should. Hopefully it's not delayed, but I guess if it is, you can plan just a little bit more. But, yeah, no, I really wanted to ask you about that, obviously. I know you had a little bit of a platform yourself you're building, so that's awesome. And I really appreciate you doing what you do because there's little girls like my daughter who – are looking forward to looking up to a great hockey player, but one that they can relate to and go through the different paths, much like we do with, you know, looking up to a Lemieux or a Yager, you know, them looking up to, you know, maybe a Soroya Tinker who just got drafted or a Carly Jackson out of Nova Scotia who's a goaltender. Just those things, you know, being able to look at someone and see their path and the way they did it and blaze the same one. Absolutely. I think for me, getting a chance to know these, these women, they're amazing people. Um, of their great role models it's not just because they play a sport that it's you know that that's one piece of it the other piece of it is the type of human beings they are are amazing and they're you know I keep saying it, their drive their passion their care um, you know their work ethic and it's just you know the way they go through the college they all go to D1 schools and they you know, get great grades and they're good good people uh, stay out of trouble so it's they're great role models in every aspect um, and that's I have a daughter as well and that's that's exact type of person that I want you know my daughter to grow up looking looking up to and aspiring to be so we're trying to make that path and highlight that path the best we can just figuring out the right way to do it well it definitely sounds like with the platform that you're building you're, you're on those right steps and it's awesome to have those things out there and those resources being built and and thought of for that matter um speaking of that I mean after your playing career you've gotten into a lot of different things um what are some of the things that you're into now? What are some of the companies you're working with and building? Just let it all out there. This is a spot to let it hang loose. Yeah, no, I started, I worked out with, after the hockey, with a uh, CBD oil company, which was one of them. I, I had, you know, a lot of issues with post-concussion and anxiety, you know, sleep, depression issues. So I was struggling a little bit and needed some help, and I found some I found some relief with that. So I, I jumped on board at first as an advocate, and then I invested in a company, Beta, um, and I thought it was, for me, it was about my own experience and it, just telling people about it because it's going to the game. I know what's out there, what you go through, what it's like to be a professional hockey player. Uh, you know, sleep, a lot of anxiousness. Games are at different times, and, and then there's concussion issues. A lot of guys are struggling with some emotion side of it. Um, it just opened up my – it helped me a ton. Uh, I was going from having anxiety attacks every other day and not being able to sleep to – having anxiety attacks in very controlled situations like flying um, I knew I'd always like that that happens when I fly it just it won't go away 
But it didn't, for me, I was having them every other day. And when I started taking CBD oils, it just stopped. <laughs> so I had nothing else to contribute to. I really believed in the product, and I thought it helped me a lot. And I know there's a lot of the guys that struggle with this stuff, so I opened up and um, tell my story again and, and see if it's an alternative solution for maybe some things people are going through. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got to that. And then after that, I flipped into 44 Vision Hockey. I wanted to get back in the game and give back to the game, give, you know, my experience, my knowledge that I accumulated over a long career through different leagues. Saw a lot of different types of hockey. I felt like giving back to the game in this avenue was, um, I was, I'm very passionate about it. And the other thing was my wife, I kept talking to her about hockey, and she's like, I can't hear anymore about hockey. Go do something <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I was like, okay. I know that feeling then, right there. That's why she said, yes, mine said, you know, go. I don't want to hear any more about bar down. I don't want to hear any more about sauce. I don't want to hear any more. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, my wife I'll was the same way because I like talking about hockey all the time, but she said, you know what? Start a little podcast or something and get some of your friends to come on and talk about it for hours. She's like, I don't want to hear about it. She's like, I, I like the fact that you're yeah. passionate, but just, you know, out of the house. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> I know the so, feeling. You know, and then with the, with the platform, it's just, I thought it was another way, like, probably could have done it on my own and what do Rob Shrimp, you know, skill stuff. That's it. I wanted to help other people um, create a lane and get back to the game as well. So, uh, instead of doing it in kind of a small scale and keeping it elite or you know keeping it to privilege I wanted to make it a larger scale play for the game of hockey and make it you know accessible to everybody and have the people given the knowledge back to be reputable you know like I said that we have I think six Olympic uh, team member women four NWHL girls five now I believe and then we have uh, six ex-NHL guys and the rest of the guys we have 32 coaches total um, they've all either played played Division One and played uh, some level pro AHL or in Europe. Um, so it's a lot of really good knowledge on there, and it's a great resource for players looking to kind of advance their game. Um, again, like I, I wanted to make a team atmosphere kind of out of it because I know when you put the stick down and the lights go out, it's kind of you feel lost a little bit, and like you, you miss that. For me, like I said, hockey was the fun part was the camaraderie and always feeling like you had you know 20 brothers around all the time. Uh, when you, when you walk away from it, you, you lose that. And I kind of just tried to create that with this platform and, and give everybody an avenue to, to stay in the game and give back what they've learned. No, that is something that is, that's amazing. And, I mean, in talking to different players, I mean, it's had Eddie Lack on, and we spoke about the same thing you just said, about walking away, when you walk away from the game, you lose that camaraderie a little bit. You still keep in touch with guys, but it's not the same. You know, snapping around the room and having fun and just bonding and going out and doing things. It's that group and you know, not having that and, and just hearing the stories about when guys walk away. I've never been a high-level athlete myself. I've never been in a room like that and had that around me all the time. So hearing it, you can you can feel what they're feeling a little bit and listening to you and what you're creating, that is something that I think a lot of guys will gravitate towards and a lot of people can take solace in and learn from too, coming in and, you know, learning from you guys. Yeah, that's, that's what we want, you know. Hopefully, like our experiences and help kids and help pros, anybody really. Uh, I work with a bunch of pro guys now and, and look forward to working with some junior players. I'm actually flying into Vienna to work with Marco Rossi in a couple of weeks. So some higher level guys and give them what I got and learn through my career. And uh, if whatever, like it's, that's the gratitude part of it is showing them maybe there's some hurdles that we can help them get around easier. You know what I mean? Uh, whatever it may be, whatever the advice is or the tools, learned from a lot of different players, played with a lot of great players, and got to, you know, learn from them, so, um, 
like I said, fast forwarding growth into hockey. I think it's that's what's exciting. No, Very I, gratifying, really. Definitely, it's be a lot of fun. It needs to start at the grassroots level, like you've been saying. You know, get to get to that level. Not even just for the gals game, but just for everything in general, and maybe changing the culture a little bit, and just learning things a different way, and and treating people a different way, which definitely needs to happen these days. Um, Rob, I want to thank you so much for obviously taking the time today. I want to make sure that I highlight everything for you when we put this out. So if you can send me a quick little message just with all of the things that you're attached to, I'd like to get it out there just so everybody can see it and be a part of it. And, you know, push push the envelope and push the message, of course. We can help them and interject in their stuff. So it's, you know, and a lot of stuff with hockey is volunteer, which is great. Like, a volunteer work is amazing. But if, we, if you want, like, the best as far as, like, resources and growth and knowledge, I think it's important to have the right, you know what I mean by that? Um, the things that are not theory, things that have actually worked, and people yeah. that know them. <laughs> it's what's important, you know? It's, not just on then, paper X's and O's, but things that have actually been tried, tested, yeah, and true. it's more like I've been in the half wall, I've been in the, I've been in the bumper position, I've been on the power play and the point, or whatever the scenario is, the, you know, the people that we bring have that. It's not theory it's actually like experience in those spaces right so you can i can tell you the emotion you're standing there when you're on the half wall right like there's a lot that goes into it um having good resources and being able to you know knocking down that wall where you're not restricted to just what's offered in your community so to speak um that's important no again it speaks to the growth right it's a different way of doing it some people you know whether it's, uh, you know, a dad learning to coach for the first time, it's more X's and O's and things that he's seen but not experienced. So what you're saying is, you know, a person who's been in that position, been there, experienced it, you know, either taken the bumps or learned how to get around it or to figure it out a certain way, you can now give that to another person and show them how to apply it, opposed to just, here, this is how you do it on a piece of paper, and hopefully it works out when you go try it on the ice. Yeah, exactly. And when we actually were creating a lane, too, as Danny Sabret myself were creating a lane, 44 Vision will be creating a lane of coaching coaches. And that's somewhere where we're going to go around on the organizational level and offer offer that up as well for as far as like structure, not turning players into robots with structures, but talking about like what structures work with certain ages and how it develops them and shows them certain things like angling or stick position. And that's going to start at a younger age, you know. That can start at the 12, you know, 10, 11, 12. And then when they hit 13, 14, 15, they have a little bit better grasp and concept of hockey, of structure. Because what I see, in my opinion, is We've got more skill than we've ever seen in the game as far as youth. A lot of kids are very, very skilled doing things that, you know, it's just, it's crazy at what age they're doing it. And now what I think needs to be a little bit of healthier balance is the structure part of it of like the actual, you know, that hockey rink's a certain size, certain dimensions, the nets are in the same place. There's also certain things that are always effective. There's also certain things that always are going to protect the one end, right? So it's like helping the coaches that are maybe not having that knowledge um, we're going to help them as well and offer them that that as well. Um, structure, also practice drills and plans that help from our experience when we grew up through it. And what, you know, that's the thing that we got very fortunate enough to play for some great coaches that taught very well. And those structures, that was, and the structure that was put in place to us is that that's what actually helped us grow the most. It gave us an idea, it gave us boundaries in some aspect that showed us where to go on the ice or what going in this area would do afterwards. Does that make sense when you're angling those sort of things? That That's something we, we're going to offer in the coaches levels as well. So we're, again, with growth. We're not just looking at just the players, but also with coaches and implementing with their kids and their youth teams, um, that kind of knowledge. So they don't have to guess. If they want it, they're more than welcome. 
you know, it's not it's an opportunity, not no obligation, but um, chance to help them grow as coaches as well, so they can make you know their teams better. Well, sometimes the the old adage goes, you know, a set of fresh eyes might be better. And, you know, someone coming in and just saying, hey, this may not be working or this might be working better or this works here, you know, and just freshing it up a little bit because no matter what you do, you do end up getting stale even if you don't think you are, you know, and there's always a way to shake it up. And sometimes I wouldn't call it just a kick in the ass, but sometimes you need a little fire lit under you just to understand that, hey, maybe I can do this a little bit differently and get a better result. And it sounds like that's what you guys are heading for is, you know, just to up the game and up the ante for everybody else. And and make sure that it's working for the age group it's supposed to because not everything is cookie cutter and especially each age group I mean no, everybody no, learns yeah, differently yeah. yeah it's not that's sometimes it's understanding the pulse of the team and what, what you have as a te- in, inside of your team is really important um, I think that's really important as a coach is to understand what you have right so when it's not one of those things that's not the system that's the players yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be doing that at like 10, 11, 12 years old right <laughs> you'd rather have you know you kind of have to be a little bit flexible with those age brackets because they are that's the time of growth and, and where you're shaping these kind of players uh, not these kind of players but you're shaping the players mentality and, and where their habits are going to grow into when they're 14, 15 years old um, and it's I think it's important what I've learned through you know being out of the game as well is that you don't have to be an expert in every space I think it's good to be have a lot of knowledge in, in your lane whatever what you do well but you can always learn from somebody else and if that you know that advice helps the bigger picture then that's teamwork and that's no different than hockey if I'm you know if I'm not great defensively then pairing me up with a, a winger that's very defensive conscious is that's what you do yep or you or you put me on the ice with a deep pair that's very defensive conscious and it's you know different in, in this kind of thing with coaching if you're not you know if that's not your strong suit then you find someone that has that maybe knowledge or you know sees the game that way and team up because it benefits the players it benefits the kids and at the end of the day that benefits hockey yeah it leads right back to what we were talking about growth too that ends up growing the game in so many different ways and and impacting the game on a positive note so I mean you talk about 10 11 year old too you you want them to be positive (laughs) The concept he's coming back to growth. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything today. Today's episode, kid, is brought to you by growth. <laughs> no, but all joking aside, it's a hundred percent true, right? Everything goes back into that one thing, and that's what you want. You yeah. want positive growth and positive reinforcement in the way that it needs to be done. And you know, you guys are doing a great job in that. It's going to grow, like you're saying, and it's going to get even better. There's that word again. So, obviously. This is something we need to focus on, and you guys are going to be hitting the nail on the head. And I hope a lot of people take advantage of it, take you guys up on it, because it'll help again grow that game. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on. No, Rob, I love having you on. It's, it's always candid. We always tear it up. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, get back to enjoying the day, good sir, and we will talk again soon. And uh, all the best with everything. And like I said, I'll make sure to blast all those out. So. Anything you need, just shoot us a message, and we'll be happy to, to share, retweet, or whatever we need to do for you. Okay, I appreciate it, buddy. Not a worries. Take her easy. So there you have it again, friend of the show, Robbie Shrimp, sitting down talking about his wife not wanting him to be blabbering on about hockey and getting back into it, obviously by the coaching aspects and building the 44 Vision and everything else going into the CBD company he invested in. 
all that stuff is out there, guys. Be sure to check out this episode. Absolutely jaw-droppingly awesome. All right, take it easy. That's Offside for today. Mm-hmm.